You will never be wise from God's perspective until you become a follower of His Son. In fact, God says, if you are not a true disciple of His Son, you're a fool. Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington. Tom is pastor-teacher at Countryside Bible Church in Southlake, Texas. Are you currently walking in the wisdom of God in Christ? Do you know Christ? Hello again, I'm Bill Wright, and today Tom has part two of his current series, Wisdom from Hell versus Wisdom from Heaven. In part one, we discovered that not only does wisdom consist of fearing God and of understanding God's ways, but it also consists of having the practical skill to apply God's ways and God's Word to your life each and every day. And as you'll discover in today's message, there are three key ways you can grow in the skill of applying wisdom. But perhaps the main question for consideration is, do you? Do you desire to grow in the wisdom of God? Let's find out more as we join our teacher now on The Word Unleashed. You understand this. If you've ever been to college, you remember the course or two that you took in college in philosophy. Well, our English word philosophy is actually a compound Greek word. It's made up of the word phileo, to love, and sophia, wisdom. Philosophy simply means a love of wisdom. And our culture is still dramatically influenced by the mindset of Greek wisdom. And we benefit from that as a culture. And yet, as believers, listen carefully, it is a serious problem. Because Greek wisdom and biblical or Hebrew wisdom are vastly different. Let me give you a few points of comparison. Greek wisdom is man-centered. Man is the ideal, and he should grow up into this almost God himself. In Hebrew mindset, wisdom is God-centered. True wisdom centers on God. In the Greek mind, wisdom is an academic kind of knowledge. In the Hebrew mind, it is a practical ability or skill. Greek wisdom affects primarily your mind. Hebrew wisdom affects your entire being. Greek wisdom may produce absolutely no change in your life whatsoever. You can be wise in the Greek sense and still be unaffected in your life by it. Hebrew wisdom, on the other hand, will show itself, will always display itself in your behavior, in your conduct. Now, much of Western education is based on the Greek model of wisdom. What matters most, what's most important is what you know, what you're an expert in, not necessarily what you yourself do with that knowledge. One of the most graphic illustrations I've seen of this recently was several months ago, I read an article by a doctor who's a specialist in the care of the heart. And he made some good points. He was asked, you know, how it was that we should care for our hearts. And I was interested in that because there's a a history of heart disease that runs in my family. And he made some good points, some you would expect, nothing really new in the article. For example, one of the leading issues was exercise. But then the reporter, unlike most interviewers, 
the reporter asked him about his own habits, and the doctor had to admit that he was just too busy to exercise and that he didn't, which was a boon to some of us. Yet, this man was being quoted as an expert. Why? Because of his academic knowledge. He understands the field and how it functions. But biblical, or Hebrew wisdom, isn't merely an accumulation of facts. It is the application of what you know to real life. So you can see why it's crucial that as we frame a definition, we build it from the Bible and not from the mindset that we come to the Bible with. Where do we start to build a definition of wisdom? Well, let's start with God, which is where the Old Testament starts. It's clear that whatever our wisdom is, it is simply a reflection of something that is most true of God. God is wise. God has true wisdom. H.B. Smith defined God's wisdom this way. I love this. Wisdom is that attribute of God whereby he produces the best possible results with the best possible means. The reason I like that is we often think of God as trying to produce the best possible results in our lives, right? Where the problem comes is really believing that the path he's taking us down to get to that result is really the best. But the fact that God is wise means that both the ends he has in mind and the means he's using to get us there, however difficult they may be, are his best. We see God's wisdom displayed on several stages in Scripture. We see his wisdom displayed on the stage of creation. Psalm 104, verse 24, O Lord, how many are your works! In wisdom you made them all. God's wisdom is displayed wherever you look in his creation. God's wisdom is also displayed on the stage of salvation, of redemption. After Paul unfolds the great doctrines of salvation in Romans 1 through 11, those magnificent chapters that I'm tempted to study after we finish James, after he completes that study, he comes at the end of Romans 11 to these magnificent words, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. God put himself and his wisdom on display in salvation. Only God could have come up with the plan that we read of in the New Testament. God also puts himself on display in providence. His wisdom. Romans 8.28 is the most familiar. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, who are the called according to his purpose. Godly wisdom, then, is a reflection of God himself. Although we can never be wise to the same degree as God, the Scripture says that we can enjoy the same kind of wisdom that God displays. So when we think about us, what exactly is wisdom for us? Well, the Hebrew word that James borrows here and translates into Greek in, excuse me, in James chapter 3, this Hebrew word is a word that literally means skill. In fact, in the history of the Old Testament, in the history of Israel as it flows through the Old Testament, the word wisdom is used most often of the technical kinds of skills, like the skill of a carpenter, the skill of a metal worker, the skill of a weaver. You can see that in Exodus 31, verses 3 to 4. And when you come to the rest of the Old Testament, the word still retains this basic idea of skill. 
But instead of a skill in metalworking or a skill with wood, it refers to a skill in living, a skill in living in the affairs of life in a way that pleases God, a very practical skill in managing life. To be wise means that you can manage life well by, like God, choosing the best goals and selecting the best means to accomplish those goals. And of course, at the very center of a life of wisdom is God himself. Godly wisdom, listen carefully, godly wisdom is the practical ability or skill to live in the affairs of life, including in our relationship with God, in a way that pleases him. Ultimately, though, listen carefully, biblical wisdom is centered on God. This is absolutely foundational to the concept of wisdom. Nowhere in Scripture are unbelievers said to have this kind of wisdom. They can be knowledgeable. They can be more, more knowledgeable than we are, but they're not biblically wise apart from God. Because to truly have the skill for living in God's world means that we have to be rightly related to Him. So let's put together a short definition of wisdom. Wisdom, biblical wisdom for us, consists of three basic elements. Number one, fearing God. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Throughout the, the wisdom literature, you see this repeated with different synonyms, but the bottom line is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What does it mean by beginning? Does it mean it's a stage early on and then you pass and you don't go back to? No, by beginning of wisdom, it means that fearing God is the first and controlling principle in wisdom. In other words, biblical wisdom must be theocentric. It must be God-centered. If you're going to be wise as far as God is concerned, then your life must be centered on God. You must respect Him. You must honor Him as God. You must fall down and recognize Him as the true sovereign of the universe. And until that happens, you cannot be wise. There's a second basic element, not only fearing God, but understanding God's ways. Not only do we fear God, do we honor Him as God, do we respect Him, do we hold Him in the position of God in our minds and in our lives, but we understand Him. We understand His ways. Of course, the word ways in the Old Testament refers to predictable patterns of behavior, habits, if you will. We understand the habits of God, His predictable patterns of behavior. We call them His attributes. This is how God is. This is how He acts. In Psalm 107, verse 43, Who is wise? Let him give heed to these things and consider the loving kindnesses of the Lord. Psalmist says, if you're wise, you're going to think about what's true of God and how He responds to us, His way, His path. In Hosea 14.9, whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. To be wise is to understand God as He's revealed Himself in Scripture. But there's a third basic element that sort of draws these together and is the focus of the Old Testament wisdom. 
not only does wisdom consist of fearing God and of understanding God's ways, but thirdly, having the practical skill to apply God's ways and God's Word to life. Having the practical skill to apply God's ways that we now understand and God's Word to our own life. I quoted Hosea 14.9 a moment ago, whoever is wise, let him understand these things. Whoever is discerning, let him know them, for the ways of the Lord are right. The next line says, and the righteous will walk in them. The righteous person, the wise person, not only understands God's ways, but walks in them. Psalm 111 verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. But turn back to Proverbs chapter 8. When we went through this passage just a few minutes ago, I skipped a section purposefully. I want us to go back there now and see how this plays out. Proverbs chapter 8, this great chapter praising wisdom. In the middle of the chapter, from verses 6 to 13, Solomon tells us that biblical wisdom always produces the application of truth to life. Notice verse 6. Listen, for I will speak noble things, and the opening of my lips will reveal right things. For my mouth will utter truth. Now watch immediately how wisdom turns to life. And wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the utterances of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing crooked or perverted in them. In other words, immediately, wisdom reflects itself in speaking the truth to us. And watch how it affects us. Verse 9, they are all straightforward to him who understands and write to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction and not silver, knowledge rather than choicest gold. Verse 12, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. And here it is, verse 13, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. A person who's wise, like wisdom itself, hates evil. Pride, arrogance, the evil way, and the perverted mouth. So wisdom displays itself in wise behavior, in the right kind of life, in applying the Word of God and the way of God to my own life. That's wisdom. Wisdom is to fear God, to understand God's ways, and then to apply his ways, as they're explained to us in the Word of God, to life. That's wisdom from a biblical standpoint. We've witnessed the categorical priority of biblical wisdom, the biblical definition of godly wisdom. Now let's briefly examine the practical acquisition of godly wisdom. How do you get it? It's so important. If it's so vital to my life as a believer, if it's so important to God, how do I acquire it? Well, ultimately, wisdom is a gift from God. Proverbs 2.6 says, The Lord gives wisdom. But according to Scripture, there are several ways God gives wisdom to us. He doesn't just wave a sort of magic wand over us and make us suddenly wise. There are means, as is always true with God, there are means that He uses to make us wise. What are those means biblically? Well, there are four of them very quickly. Number one, First and foremost, God makes us wise through a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
1 Corinthians 1.30 says, By God's doing you were in Christ Jesus, listen to this, who became to us, who are now in Christ, wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Now notice the order. Would you have put wisdom first in that list before righteousness, that is justification and sanctification, and redemption, probably referring to our ultimate redemption when we stand before God, redeemed from the wrath of God in the future? Would you have put wisdom first? In addition to that, the Greek construction makes wisdom not one of four things, but wisdom includes the other three. In other words, what you get at salvation can ultimately be called the wisdom of God. And that wisdom of God plays itself out in your justification, in your sanctification, the process of being made holy, and in your ultimate redemption. Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. True wisdom from God's perspective begins when a person puts his faith in Jesus Christ. J.I. Packer writes, Until, excuse me, not until we have become humble and teachable, standing in awe of God's holiness and sovereignty, acknowledging our own littleness, distrusting our own thoughts, and willing to have our minds turned upside down in Christ, can divine wisdom become ours. John Blanchard writes, only when we become God-centered through our relationship to Christ do we have our first experience of true wisdom. You will never be wise from God's perspective until you become a follower of His Son. In fact, God says, if you are not a true disciple of His Son, you're a fool. Because what does it gain a man to have the whole world and lose his own soul? You'll never be wise from God's perspective till you come to His Son. But there's a second way God gives us wisdom. And that's through a thorough knowledge of His Word. Through a thorough knowledge of His Word. James, back in James chapter 3, verse 13, uses the word understanding. It's a word that only occurs there in the, in the New Testament. And it, it refers to an, the knowledge of an expert. Describes knowledge acquired through careful study and observation. The implication is that we learn God's Word by careful study, and that makes us better qualified and equipped to live the Christian life. But there are other texts that speak to this much more directly. Listen to Psalm 19.7. Speaking of the Word of God, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The Word of God makes people wise. In God's eyes, it makes them wise. Psalm 119.98, your commandments make me wise. Proverbs 2, verse 6 says, From God's mouth comes wisdom. In other words, from revelation, from what we have on the pages of Scripture, come wisdom to us. God mediates wisdom to us, not magically, but through an understanding of His Word as we read it and study it. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, Paul says, From childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith that is in Christ Jesus. Listen, wisdom comes not only through coming to Christ, but through revelation, through the Word of God. And you will only become wise as you use your mind and as you use the tools God has given you to really understand this book. Many Christians have lazy minds. 
John Blanchard writes, every Christian has an inescapable responsibility to use whatever ability God has given him to appropriate spiritual truth. There has never been a time in the history of the world when God's people have had such readily available material to help them in their study of his word. Boy, isn't that true? We have so much. But he goes on, he says, yet indolence, undiscipline, and laziness have made pygmies out of many who should be giants. God has given us all the written directions we will ever need on this earth in his infallible word, and we will grow in wisdom only as we immerse ourselves in it and allow its truth to permeate every part of our lives, end quote. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? Then let me ask you a question. How much time did you spend this last week learning the wisdom of God? Number three, we learn wisdom. God mediates wisdom to us through the influence of wise companions. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Listen, who are your friends? Who is it that you spend your time with? Would God say they're wise, or from God's perspective, are they fools? Don't think for a moment you can play with fire and not be burned. And the proverb says, listen, if you hang around fools, you're going to become like them. And the only, or one way, I should say, that you can begin to grow in wisdom is to hang around people who have God's wisdom. And finally, we gain God's wisdom through prayer. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, Paul says, I pray that God may give you a spirit of wisdom in the knowledge of Him. He says, listen, I want you to gain God's wisdom, and I pray that God would open up His Word to let you see Him, to let you gain His wisdom. Colossians 1, 9, we have not ceased to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will, that is, that's revealed in the Bible. How? in all spiritual wisdom. In other words, I'm praying that God would open up your understanding of the Word of God as you study it, as you read it. And in James chapter 1, verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. We studied that. When you encounter trials, ask God for wisdom. And He gives to all. How does He give it? He doesn't wave His wand over you. He does it through the other three means. He does it through coming to Christ. He does it through studying and coming to a thorough knowledge of His Word. He does it by hanging around the right people and being influenced by those who are godly. Now, that's the background of the paragraph we want to examine in James. We're ready to understand James' language. We're ready to speak his language when he speaks about wisdom. And that's the biblical context in which the paragraph comes. Are you currently knowing what it means to have the wisdom of God in Christ? Do you know Christ? Has He become to you the wisdom of God? That's the first step on the path to godly wisdom, is bowing your knee to Jesus Christ as Lord. Are you pursuing wisdom and the knowledge of God by faithfully being in the Word of God? There are no magic wands, folks. God gives you wisdom by a thorough knowledge of His Word. Who are your best friends? Are they people of godly wisdom? People God would say are wise? Or are they fools from God's perspective? And are you lifting up your voice for understanding in the words of Proverbs 2? Are you crying out in prayer for wisdom? Do you pray for wisdom from God? 
That's how you'll get it. And there's nothing you ever have wanted or will want that can be compared with godly wisdom. Let's pray together. That's Tom Pennington here on The Word Unleashed. And that was part two of Wisdom from Hell versus Wisdom from Heaven. Tom will have part three for you next time, and we do hope you'll join us then. Well, we'd like you to know that Tom has a new book out titled The God Who Hears, a book of pastoral prayers. It features 31 scripture readings and accompanying pastoral prayers. Tom's book is available for purchase right now online at thewordunleashed.org. As always, it's our prayer that you'll be enriched by the expository teaching of God's Word here on The Word Unleashed. We'd love to hear your story and how God is enriching you in your walk with Christ through this ministry. Write to us, won't you? Our address is listeners at thewordunleashed.org. Again, that's listeners at thewordunleashed.org. Or you can call us at 1-877-577-WORD. And remember to connect with us on social at The Word Unleashed. The Word Unleashed is made possible because of the prayers and financial gifts of individuals like you. Please consider partnering with us. You can find out how to do that by visiting thewordunleashed.org. Again, that's thewordunleashed.org. And now for Tom Pennington and the entire team, I'm Bill Wright. Thanks for listening to The Word Unleashed, exalting God's glory explaining God's truth.